0: What's good? Welcome to another episode of Versus Andy Malfrina. I got on the line a very special guest. He's a very funny comedian. Just a, just a good old boy. Tyler, what's up, buddy?
1: Uh, not much. Uh, yeah, just fucking woke up. <laughs> kind of hope you forgot about this.
0: <laughs> well, I'm a, I, almost, um, I almost was going to cancel. Were you, were you not into this today? Are you not fucking excited as shit to do this, you piece of shit?
1: No, I am. I just knew that you were also out late last night.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. I was out late the whole fucking day. Because that... Yeah, I was... Uh, we were in... Me and Tyler were both in New York. I had a slightly longer day because I was having a whole bunch of fun on Governor's Island. And then I went to go support my buddy Nate Marshall over at Brooklyn Comedy Club. And then it just... And then LeMair, I was with LaMare Lee and he got a bunch of the bunch of the drinks in him. And when LaMare gets the drinks in him, he gets he's a rowdy little boy and we were just doing a whole bunch of shit that night. So it was a very, it was a very fucking long night. What did you, what did you end up doing? You just hung out?
1: Um, yeah, we hung out, got tacos. And then uh, I guess Nate and Alex went to go meet up with you.
0: No, we, um, we were, so we went there, we, we were at Brooklyn and then we left to go hang out at the Grizzly Pair because Sidney Gant was over there. And then, when we got over there, it wasn't really a whole lot going on. And then, yo, have you ever been to McDougal, McDougal Street?
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, and like, so it was fine for a while. I gotta be honest, co like New York, New York and COVID is pretty great because I'm not like I don't get all starstruck about the whole New York thing. And just to have not that many people out when you're like walking around New York, I gotta be honest, it was kind of it was kind of dope it was kind of fucking dope. And McDougal is basically like back to what it was. And it was pure insanity over there. I was getting like stressed the fuck out. I was getting stressed the fuck out with how much shit was going on. And you know what? Oh, I got to tell you this too. I'm sorry. I'm talking a lot. We're going to talk to you, Tyler in a second, but um, I, cause I got to tell you this. Cause when we got over there, we fucking parked the car and then we're going to cross the street. And as we're crossing the street, And, um, oh, LeMaire's hammered, and he's trying to find a bathroom. We're crossing the street, and then we see a bunch of, like, protesters and stuff, and these people being like, guys, you got to get out of there. You got to get out of there. So these protesters come out. Maire goes around the corner, and as I'm about to go around the corner to follow him, literally 40 NYPD officers just come out of nowhere. (laughs) Just come out of fucking nowhere. So I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm like, I'm not trying to get into the middle of that. So I walk out. LaMare's hammered. He has no fear of walking through any of that. So then, like, that all – that takes, like, five minutes to disperse. And then I'm like, where the fuck did LaMare go? It was a whole – it was a whole thing. Last night was very hectic after we left.
1: Yeah, he was fucked up.
0: Yeah, he was having
1: right – be- Right before he left, old man Hustle, He just – knocked over a corona and spilled it all
0: over my shoes <laughs> oh really yeah and you're not you're not you don't drink have you i forget is it you don't you've never drink or you decided not to i've never drank oh okay and like so like for me i'm always curious about this for me like the hardest thing is like especially when you're trying to like lay off drinking or whatever being around comedy is very hard to not when you're around comedy, it's very hard to not be drinking. What's that like, What's that like for you dealing with, man? Because for me, I, I got to imagine it would be so goddamn stressful.
1: Um, I think I now have a very high tolerance for people who are drunk. But I, uh, one, I definitely – I, like, half listen to everything anyone says if I know they're drunk. And if they repeat something more than twice, I just walk away from them. (laughs) I don't care if you're my friend. If you tell me the same thing three times, I'm walking away. Yeah, I feel you. That usually works.
0: Yeah, (laughs) usually usually don't run into too many problems with that.
1: No. And rarely do I get the people be like, why aren't you drinking? What's the deal? Like people don't do
0: that really. Really? Because a lot of times you get, maybe I get it more, well, you're pretty, because you don't, you don't seem like a guy who like succumbs to peer pressure a lot. Is that true? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, you seem, because I feel like, well, you do this thing too, where I, if I, I feel like if I went up to you and was like, yo, Tyler, come on, dude, do a shot with me. You'd be like, no. And then I'd be like, come on. And you have this very like seriousness to you you have this very like seriousness and like matter of factness. And also it helps that you're like nine feet tall. It also helps that you're like nine feet tall. And then you can just very clearly be like, no, I'm not. I'm Tyler Lang, Lang Louise. I'm not going to fucking do that shit.
1: I say my own last name wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, by the way, how, wait, how do you say your last name? Cause that's like the most, your last name has been the most said wrong. I think in the history of last names.
1: It's, my family says it Langlois. Langlois? Yeah. It's French, so it should be pronounced Langlois, but uh I don't, my family isn't proud of being French for some reason.
0: Mm. Mm. Um. Yeah, no, I know when I was sending you the Zoom link, I was like typing in your name and I was like, damn, Tyler, this is how arrogant I am. I was like, Tyler's like spelled his, because I always pronounce your name Langlois, And I was like, oh, Tyler sent me his name wrong in the fucking, (laughs) with his email. And I'm like, wait a minute. He probably knows how to spell it right a little bit more than I do. You probably get, you probably get so much shit with that name. Like, just consistently with it wrong. Is it like, is it exhausting at this point to correct people?
1: I try and ignore it if I can. But sometimes people like insist on me correcting them and... It happened a couple, like uh, two weeks ago at a show. Wait, the host...
0: they insist on you correcting them? What yes. Mean?
1: So like a host introduced, was introducing me. they're like, give it up for Tyler Langlois. And then I was like, I'm just going to ignore it. And I took the mic. And then as I'm like about to say hi to the audience, the host goes, how do you say it
0: wait from like off the stage
1: yes <laughs> that's so i had to be like i had to be like it's langlois just say it however you want to i don't care like it was like so it happens a lot
0: that's like a lot of people because i i get people my name is my name malafarina if you like look at it it's it's pronounced very phonetically it's actually not they just see a long name and get scared it's actually not that hard if you just look at it but a lot of people fuck it up but doing all that shit doing all that shit I I, it doesn't I try not to get like too bogged down in it because it's like first off everyone's probably going to forget your name by the end of the night and it doesn't really help anything to be harping on the fucking name like that it doesn't help the set in any way to just spend all that all that time like deciphering the name yeah it doesn't matter at all
1: (laughs) and then me correct like you end up correcting the person and then if like say the audience likes the host you just look like a dick because you're you're telling the host they're doing a bad job and they don't know how to say names and
0: Yeah, exactly. You're just and you kind of you kind of get this like cunty vibe where you're just like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Actually, yeah. I'm so Um,
1: important. My name should be said right.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's the same dude. It's like the same logic when people like go bog you down with credits before you're set, and it's like, dog, if you fucking suck, all your credit you could have the best credits in the world. It doesn't fucking matter. You fucking suck up there. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Yeah. How long, um, how long have you been doing comedy for?
1: I think like five and a half or six. COVID really threw off my time, my like how my measurement of time. So it might be six because I might have just not counted an entire year.
0: Well, I think every, I think because of COVID, like everyone can get a buffer year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause there were there were people. Because for the longest time in COVID you had like the Burt Kreischers of the world who could like very easily go out and you know do the drive-in movie shows and whatever the fuck but there was a majority of people were like all right I'm just gonna be fucking chilling here till so you guys say it's legal to go do stand up again. So you've been doing it so you've been doing it for uh five years. I are you so when I watch you do you get do you get like nervous before you go up?
1: um it depends on the situation sometimes
0: okay so what when are no because like like i said with your energy like you seem you know like i was saying before if you were trying to get tyler to take a shot of something you you have very like unshakable energy to you so like what, what what are the what are the situations where you get more nervous going up
1: um if i'm hosting i definitely get nervous i i can do it but i don't like doing it
0: why don't you like doing it
1: because i don't think i have host energy
0: <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean i by have, that?
1: i feel like a, most hosts are like pretty high energy like if i'm hosting like the person announcing me gets the audience all ramped up like you guys ready to have a good night <laughs> and everyone's like yeah
0: I'm like that's not loud enough and
1: then i have to go out and then bring them all the way back down to my energy level before i could even start
0: yeah, because you do have a very – would you call it – I wouldn't call it, like, deadpan, per se. What would you call your energy on stage? Um, I think
1: I'm, I'm like I'm – I'm, like, low energy, but I think that, like, my jokes are tight enough, like, punchline-wise that, like, it doesn't feel as – like – because I feel like a lot of, low, like, really low energy people, like, audiences can get real chatty. Or, like heckle, but like I kind of I keep it tight enough that like I avoid that. I like balance my low energy with my tags and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely, you definitely. When you're on stage, it's it's it. You it, you're right about that. You are like low energy, but it's not the same as like some like like a deadpan dude who's just gonna almost like. It's like the same energy of The Office or something like that, but in stand-up comedy form. You're not, you're not like that because you, you go, you lean more darker with all that stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I haven't told that I am dark.
0: <laughs> why do you? What, what's your, um, what's your, uh, interest? Why, why do you go that way per se, rather than being like more clean and stuff?
1: I don't know. I just talk about what feels right.
0: And uh, I guess,
1: you know, I have a weird life and childhood and I don't know, just the things that are interest to me I end up just leaning that direction, what I think is funny.
0: Okay. So you just have more of a, a darker sensibility based off your upbringing and stuff.
1: I guess. I don't know. I just, I you talk about the stuff you talk about. What? Why do you talk about what you talk about on stage?
0: I, I because it interests me <laughs>
1: yeah it's the weird it's,
0: it's the shit i give a shit about
1: yeah just what i it's just what's in my head all the time so that's what i'm gonna talk <laughs> about on stage not a good place
0: <laughs> it's not a good Why's your head why is your head such a bad place tyler who knows who fucking knows
1: yeah probably because i don't seek medical help
0: hey man check out, uh, when I get a promo code, I'll tell people to check out better help. I was using that shit recently. It's fuck it. It is better help. It is fucking, it is fucking helpful. Um, so what's like a, what's like a, 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 a typical Tyler joke? Like when you, is it, is it literally just, cause I i um, I'm, I'm curious about this where, cause you don't, you're not really big into crowd work, right?
1: No, any crowd work I do is fake to get into a joke i already want to do
0: is it is it just because it doesn't interest you or do you get like nervous with it um
1: yeah just that's not what i like doing i just like telling jokes (laughs)
0: um all right i i feel you on that one um but no i was just curious like watching watching you tell your jokes is it a sit down is it a sit down and like write it out thing or do you just kind of like because, like, for me, when I go up, I have, like, a vague idea of it, and I try to have, like, a punchline to get me out of the joke. But I definitely don't, like, have a strict structure when I go up there.
1: Yeah, I think it – yeah, I'm kind of the same. I have, like, a vague idea. Sometimes I'll think of something more concrete, but usually it's a vague idea, a punchline, and then it's – I try it on stage – and then it's all just obsessively thinking about it and getting the wording exactly right until I try it again. And I never really write down full jokes.
0: Okay, so you don't actually write them down. But okay, so you said about obsessively thinking about it. You said like you'll do it once and then you kind of obsess of which parts that went wrong?
1: Yeah. So is Yeah, that... obsessive about what went wrong, what went right, the right words, the fastest way to get to the punchline.
0: So does it then become cuz I for me when I do jokes um I I like having my jokes as more of like just an extension of how I feel about stuff so it's easier for me to remember them is it similar for that with you is it just or are you just like are you just like memorizing the structure of the joke
1: Yeah I think I kind of like just burned the how the joke is supposed to be said into my mind
0: Oh and- okay so, you just go like, just like basically practicing it over and over and over again in your head?
1: Oh, yeah. When I like, so if I'm like doing a lot of sets and going up a lot, uh, every almost every night, I my brain is like, all right, let's run every joke you did tonight before you go back, before you, we let you go to sleep.
0: Oh, really? To, yeah. It's- wow. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I'm the exact, I'm the exact opposite. Cause I've literally, especially when I was doing first couple sets I did after like, you know, we had to do the break cause of COVID I was, I, 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 well, for those I went over them a little bit more, but I definitely will have times where I'm like, like, I forget exactly how this joke goes, but because I like, I, you know, the content of it is more based off my just general feelings in life. I go, Once I get into it, I'll know the bits and pieces. I'll remember the bits and pieces. Could you, like, if someone was like, yo, start halfway in between, halfway in that one joke, could you just jump into that easily?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I kind of have a habit of if I'm doing a bit, I'm doing the whole bit start to finish. And maybe I have like points in the middle where I can bail out if it's not going well, but. I kind of like feel I could do it if I sat down and thought for, about it for maybe like five minutes, but mm. yeah, I kind of just uh, I know how to start them and I know how to end them.
0: Okay, um, it's
1: like a one big piece, even if it is like you know seven different jokes about serial killers. But in my head, it's one.
0: It's one huge big chunk thing. about serial killers. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what types of audiences? do you think like you the most versus like you the least? Um, I think
1: like, I think people our age like me the most, like that are, you know, kind of more on the hip side, maybe they're into, you know, punk and, you know, hardcore and stuff like that. Like, Like a, I host. I last summer I weirdly got asked to do a set on a for a bachelor party. Really, it was all these. Yeah, it was. Um,
0: how'd that come up? Was it just some? Was it like someone who knew you?
1: So they saw me in Asbury do a set.
0: Okay, where they were
1: uh, one. I think at uh the Saint. Yeah. Okay. And I think one of them was in like one of the bands that was in. That played Joe Show back then. Yeah. So there are these like, you know, punk guys in a band. And it was one of the most, I expected it to be like a hell gig. Because it was like, you know, 20 dudes in like a side patio of a bar for a bachelor party. I was like, it's going to suck. And it was one of the most fun things. And like every single part of every single joke hit the way that I've always wanted it to in my head.
0: Okay, so wait, what 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 type of dudes were they? Were they like like uh like so it was like uh you said the dude was in one of the bands, so it was like a bunch of like punk rock type dudes or were they bros or what was their what were they like?
1: They were like a mix of like punk rock and dudes and bros.
0: Okay. Okay. And like they like, weren't
1: like so punk that you're like what what are you wearing a costume?
0: <laughs> yeah, you got the fucking outfit on. Yeah. You fuck you, you yeah. Um okay so what there was like 20 of them you said yeah and then just like side 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 room of a fucking bar and just went real well
1: yeah it was just so much fun and i'm like oh if i could just perform for rooms full of guys like this that's like when it clicked for me i'm like this is i'm like oh this is this would be like the ideal audience
0: Mm, i hear you on that so what what, what's like the (laughs) what do you think's like the people who hate you the most
1: uh older rich white people
0: they can older which older rich white people can be hit or miss sometimes because like i did i did uh i did two shows a couple of weeks ago like one on a friday one on a saturday and i notice if they like to drink if they like to drink they can be a little bit more fun and you kind of got to go with them But if they're like older, rich, white people and they're not really in a mood to drink, they can be a little more stuffy and they're not um, they're not willing to. uh, And a a lot of different groups do this in general. But it's like if you go outside of the things that they know, they just kind of look at you like you're speaking another language.
1: Oh, yeah. I've had multiple times where even a set was going okay. You know, like they didn't love me. But then the second I mention heroin, the, <laughs> they shut down. Like, and no matter what I say after, they're like, uh-uh, you made me think about heroin. My grandson does heroin.
0: <laughs> and they just like hate me. My grandson uh, started doing heroin because it got he got addicted off my percocets.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of it's like, especially with like Richard, like white, really white people who have some money, they're like don't tell us about your problems. We don't have problems. <laughs> we don't want to hear about problems.
0: Yeah, that's interesting too. When people like, because I've seen that, I've seen that happen during your set. You'll talk about, you'll talk about like, uh, you know, drug use in your family and stuff like that. And people will, people will hit you with like the. They'll get uncomfortable, or they'll hit you with like the, aw, or you know, are you okay, baby boy? And it's like. I'm bringing it up. I'm probably, yeah. if I'm bringing it up in front of a bunch of strangers, I'm probably okay with this. So let's loosen the buttholes a little bit, folks.
1: Yeah. It's weird how that happens. Like I remember not that long ago, I was talking about my childhood and the audience got so weird, like an, like a bunch of audible awes, like, Oh, you poor boy. And I literally had to, I had to say like, guys it's not like i died i'm like i'm here yeah i'm here telling you these jokes i made it out of the i made it out of the story i'm telling you
0: <laughs> yeah this the fact that i'm here talking to you should signify that this ends okay for me i'm here yeah i'm physically here
1: Unless they're looking at me and they're like, wow, it really did
0: fuck him up real bad. <laughs> does it, Um, and this is kind of like the cliched, uh, like, you know, comics will be like, this is my therapy. But there's the, like, because you've had some, you've had some fucked up things go on in your life. And it's it's kind of ironic. I would assume does like doing jokes about that kind of like alleviate it in a to a certain degree.
1: I If it was still stuff that like was fucking me up, I don't think I would be doing jokes about it.
0: That makes sense. Like, I
1: think I do jokes about it because I'm okay with all of it.
0: Yeah. And that's like the irony of the whole situation when they, when they do have that, like, Oh, poor baby boy energy. It's like, I'm talking about it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. You you know, which groups for me, I run into a problem with is cause I have, you know, I've been married. I've been with my wife uh, for, for a little bit now and stuff. So I have like a decent amount of like relationship and married material. And I noticed, dude, when you get young single or dating people and you just say the word married, they're like, I could not possibly un- like relate to any of this. And you're like, you've been in relationships. Like it's, it's pretty close to that one. It's pretty close to that. So that's the one that fucking irritates me whenever whenever I hop into that shit. Like, single or dating people, they just, once they hear married, they fucking, their brains don't make sense to them anymore.
1: Yeah, it's like if you just change the word wife to girlfriend, then they'd be on board with the bit.
0: Yeah, a lot of people get, a lot of people, <clears throat> a lot of people sort of, um, they get locked on to, like, one of the words like a buzzword or whatever in your set do you do you ever run into that because i've definitely i've definitely experienced that like you've seen my uh world war ii joke yeah yeah like when i hit the because the joke is basically about how it's weird that we're making video games uh based off of like actual um you know real life events like actual wars and like you're making the games fun and fun to play and the one line i said it goes and the craziest part is i didn't realize world war ii was that fun and like people just get locked onto that and they don't listen to the actual joke and they get locked onto that and they like he's making fun of soldiers he's saying world war ii was good and or was fun for all those guys in it and this and that and it's just like, nah, dude, you're locking on to the wrong part of the joke. Do you ever run into any of that shit with doing some of your more darker material and shit?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. People, yeah, heroin's a big thing people will lock in on and just stop listening. Um, people really can get weird with, like, my, like a like a pedophile joke. People get weird sometimes yeah and like that one is weird because it's such a the the main pedophile joke i normally do it's like i think it's just like you know it's just a fun silly joke it's like you know some little kid i delivered pizza to is like just being weird and the dad thinks i fucked his kid <laughs> and but the, there's the one tag i do I'll, i love doing it but it's a real 50 50 of whether it goes over <laughs> and if it doesn't the audience like acts like I'm confessing to crimes
0: yeah and that's the most hilarious part too when you like when you dip your toe into like pedophile jokes or rape jokes or like jokes where you're talking about committing crimes and you're like guys if I did the crimes like would you think I would admit to them up here like I'm probably just trying to be silly in the context of like dark subjects like that's probably what's going on yeah
1: Yeah, because the the one thing, like, I'll I'll say, like, guys, I promise I don't have sex with kids. I just use them to practice making out. And (laughs) I'll smile and laugh myself to try and reassure the audience. Like, this is a joke, obviously. We're doing a comedy show. And even then, sometimes they just, like, stone face me. And they're like,
0: oh, boy. Yeah, well, because people sometimes can't disconnect from, like, the awful statement to the fact, like, it's not real like it's not real cuz you look at that structure you could fit like that right there from a joke standpoint is just a classic misdirection it's just classic misdirection you're going i don't fuck kids and they're they're supposed to be relieved and like okay everything's better now and then you go it's not as bad but it's still not good like it's just a yeah. like it's a you could you could fit any pieces of any joke into that and make it the same energy but they can't disconnect from the fucked up material.
1: Yeah, and, and to me it's like such an insane and dumb thing to say like he, what you're practicing what you you're practicing making out what are you practicing for?
0: Yeah, that's the fu- practicing. <laughs> practicing making out is a no- adds another level to it. <laughs> yeah. That's dude, that's such a great point too cuz like it's like is it not I've I've made jokes to some people, and I'll like I I get that like in real life not on stage but like just fucking with people and I'll give them a little more leeway because it's like yeah we're not we're just in life I'll give you I'll give you some leeway on like misunderstanding what I'm saying but I still look at some of that like did this not come off like so ridiculous like I I just assumed what I'm saying is coming off as so ridiculous that it's obvious i'm joking and that's the same way as, like that's the same way with your pedophile joke where it's just like either like it's obvious that this is ridiculous or you guys think i'm a pedophile and if you think i'm a pedophile and you're not doing anything about it you're you're kind of a monster
1: yeah <laughs> like we know he's we know he's we know what he's doing his bad but we're not gonna stop him
0: <laughs> yeah we're just gonna sit there and let him fucking let him fucking wreak havoc
1: yeah, just let him bomb the rest of this set. <laughs> that's, <laughs> gonna... that's enough That's enough punishment for his crimes.
0: Yeah, our, <laughs> our distaste for this material. Yeah. So I wanted to also uh, bring you on because me and Tyler recorded a thing together a while ago, and then I ended up not being happy with my uh, interviewing abilities, and I didn't end up using it. So I wanted to bring Tyler on. Uh, to make up for to make up for that because I, he took some time out of his day and I did nothing with it and we were talking about movies and shit and Tyler I always say this Tyler's my movie guy if I ever have questions about movies I hit him up if I ever need good suggestions and all that I hit Tyler up so Tyler I want to know why out of out of everything because you're pretty like movies are a big deal to you right yeah I guess so. Yeah,
1: I mean, I watch a decent amount.
0: You probably you probably wa- how many movies do you watch a week?
1: Um, it varies. If I'm really going at it, it's like it could be like five to seven. Yeah, but lately, since I've been out a lot more, it's like one or two. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe less. I've been averaging like ten a month this year so far.
0: That's pretty sick um do you, are you a big documentary guy i'll watch
1: some but not It someone has to like really be like this is a good one
0: you have to have that like real good friend friend uh uh, uh suggestion on it
1: yeah or it's just about like a
0: serial killer <laughs> <And> it's on <laughs> netflix <laughs> yeah you need some pointers you need to up your game figure out how to be more efficient out there i know i, I know your move style um so but what was it what is it about uh you know the cinema and movies and stuff that like really uh really fucking gets you um i don't know i mean
1: movies are great they're they're fun they're they make you feel
0: all sorts of things you might not normally feel well yeah dude you get you you'll let a movie like emotionally take you on a trip right you kind of like you let the walls down and just go Fucking take me where you want to take me yeah uh,
1: definitely I think that's part of because i you know you know me, I am pretty uh, i guess reserved when it comes to the range of emotions
0: I show I, in in everyday life <laughs> I would say that I would say that's pretty true, because my favorite thing too is like in like when you're doing a joke and then you kind of like do a like your version of an act out or like a funny voice that's supposed to be uh, like more heightened and more energy. You'll just be like, yeah. And then this guy was like, go take that over there. Like it's a little bit more and you do a slight change to your voice, but it's not that much more. But yeah, you do have a real reserved, reserved vibe to you.
1: That's so. Fu- it's very funny you said that because in my head I'm like I'm doing a completely different voice. <laughs> Look at me putting this effort in.
0: Look at me. Fuck. Have you ever done like an act out or anything? Um, no. That seems insane. <laughs> I tried doing. I tried doing uh vo- voices and shit, and that was because I was trying to do. I was trying. I forget what it was, but I was trying to do a joke where I did um like an over the top flamboyant like gay dude voice and i just went for it and the joke bombed so hard and when you just like put yourself out there that much and it bombs it just, you feel so naked up there <laughs> you feel so like oh god oh god i gave way too much and got nothing back
1: oh yeah like when people sing for <laughs> a punchline oh my god if it doesn't hit it like it destroys my soul
0: Oh yeah, to dude. watch look, that happen. You look like such an asshole if you just put yeah. if you just go that big and get absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, it, ideally if I, I could just stand completely motionless, maybe leaning against a wall <laughs> and do my material. Just what that would be the ideal.
0: <laughs> that would be the preferred setting.
1: Yeah. Like even just me like scanning the audience looking left and right to try and make a connection with them is, is something I am unbelievably aware of while I'm doing it.
0: Well, are you, are you like, are you like a socially awkward dude? Or do, like when you're, do you, or I shouldn't say socially awkward. Cause like you are reserved, but whenever we're out doing shit, it doesn't seem like you're having a, you're, you're like uh, having a tough time talking to people, but do you get like social anxiety like that? Yeah, I definitely, if,
1: it's like real big groups of people and like I can't find a place to like fit in in the group like where I like it happens sometimes you know you're like you're talking to people and then they start talking about something you don't know anything about and you kind of disengage and then you go to turn and there's another group of people next to you and they're talking about something that you can't talk about and then you're just in the between two groups of people and you're just like don't know what to do or where to go like those are the moments where I'll get like anxious like in the social situations
0: I hear you no I hear you. you know what's been helping me more with shit like that is just like whenever whenever you're in a moment that you're a little bit uncomfortable with and you're just kind of like, oh I wish these things were different so it was better for me I like approach that with this energy of like this is what's happening I can't ch- I can't really change it short of like just leaving and looking like a weirdo I can't really change it. So it's like, there's, I've been going about things with this more of like acceptance of the moment. And like, once you, when I've been more accepting of the moment, it makes things a lot more like manageable. Cause I, I get, um, I get social anxiety some somewhat, not as intense. I'm more, my anxiety more comes from like, I'll like Harbor or, or I'll like, like think about something that happened earlier in the day. Like if like, say me and a friend got in an argument I will spend like a whole day like thinking about that once the argument's over and stuff, but like, I'm not necessarily the guy like in the moment that's, but what's been helping me kind of deal with that more is yeah. Just the general acceptance of like, this is what's happening. I can't do much about it and I'm pretty sure things are going to be okay afterwards.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I definitely have a habit where if I show up somewhere, I'll latch on to like one or two people that I'm like, I can trust you and, (laughs) and then I'll just like, I'll have a, I'll stick with them the whole time. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like that stops me from being like as sociable as I
0: should be. And like meeting people. Yeah. But, uh, I hear you. I I was doing that. Trying to get better. No, I hear you. I was doing that recently at a thing where I only knew like one person and I found myself like, kind of following them around and then once i realized i was doing that i was like ah chill 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 it's it, that that's where drinking actually helps i'm not trying to get you to drink and i know you're a brick house that won't fucking let anyone tell you what to do but that's where like having a beer and just like sit like going off to the side and fucking sipping on that or something it gives you those in-between moments but yeah don't start drinking tyler i know i persuaded you hard there and i yeah about- that that is the worst
1: feeling when you realize you're following someone and you're just like, Oh, I just look like a lost dog.
0: You're like, yeah. Like they go out to smoke a cigarette and you're like, Oh, wait, wait for me. Yeah. You're like, I might be alone for a second. Please come, please don't go. Yeah. I feel you. Um, so what's, uh, what, what what have been some what have been some movies recently that you're like that are really like uh, changing shit for you? Like what 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 are some mo- what, what are like your favorite movies that from like a, an emotional level, emotional standpoint that are like a really big deal to you? Um,
1: that are a big deal to me on an emotional level. Uh, I guess. Uh, We've talked about this one a lot. Um, Midsummer is a big movie for me.
0: Yeah, I know you fuck with Midsummer. About you, you fuck with Midsummer to the point where, like, you may be one of the five guys who has like a Midsummer T-shirt, and you like actually, you're pretty consistently like just rocking movie T-shirts all around. You love Yeah,
1: them. I've you, got a lot of them now. It's like either a movie shirt or it's for like a hardcore band that's basically all i own
0: actually wait let me uh, let's take a slight right turn into the movie shirts because like you you make me laugh so hard because you'll just be like bopping around in a fucking obscure french film what's like what's the most obscure t-shirt you have that is just like yep. that is just like oh they make a shirt for that
1: <laughs> yeah it's probably my shirt for uh band Par, which is a french film from uh jean-luc godard which is like he was a i mean he's still alive he's still a director but he was you know he's most famous for his movies in the 60s
0: and what what year was that movie from
1: that was probably from
0: 64 (laughs) okay and what's the dude's name again
1: Jean-Luc Godard.
0: Jean-Luc Godard. So you got... Okay, so you're rocking around a shirt from a French film from the... city. Where do you get that?
1: I think I got that one off of... Uh, not Etsy. What's the other? I
0: don't know.
1: Shirt. Um, Posh,
0: was it like Poshmark or something?
1: Uh, Redbubble.
0: Redbubble. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know if I've or ever... They could
1: that. just... It's just like it's like Etsy, where people just like put designs up, and then you could get them made or whatever. It's like it's mostly just like stolen stuff, honestly, where people like just Photoshop things and like, dear, you want this printed on a shirt?
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. That's fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, you can get a shirt for anything if you try. If you if you want to Well, try yeah. Hard you,
0: a lot of those webs, a lot of those websites, like they they'll be like no copywritten shirts, but they don't have like a real, like a real hard vetting process to get you out of that, <laughs> to get yeah. that, yeah. So wait, midsummer. What what was I know? And I've, we've talked about this plenty of times before, but I want to hear you say it on here. Like, what is it about uh, midsummer that really like connects with you? Because that is an interesting, that is an interesting movie. Um, I remember I watched that and that would because that who's the director of that
1: ari aster
0: ari aster he's a guy that i watched i've watched that midsummer and then um, um what's the other popular one he had hereditary hereditary yes i watched those i um i got like a base level understanding of it and then i watched these like breakdown videos and it just um explained a whole lot more and it made a whole lot of sense he definitely has some like uh, uh like layered subject matter what is about what is about midsummer that connects with you so much
1: um i think because i think midsummer you know it's technically you know a horror movie but underneath all that i feel like it handles and understands like grief the grieving process like feelings of isolation like the need for empathy and all these other feel like all these like kind of, you know, pretty complex feelings and they're delivered to you in, yeah, like this cult horror movie and they, like it hits you in a way that you don't expect it to. Like, I, like, the first time I saw it, I was alone in the theater and it was like, you know, pretty, it was like near the end of the third act or whatever, and I'm like, why is this horror movie making me cry? This doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Like, it just blindsided me.
0: Do you think it's a horror movie?
1: I think I mean, kind of, yeah.
0: I I don't know. I'd lean more like uh, psychological or something because it's not like it's not flat out like, oh, here's the bad guy that we have to fucking escape from or this and that but it definitely like fucks with you psychologically and takes you to a lot of like intense places mentally.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I've, I've obviously I've read that so many, read and watched so many things people have to say about that movie, and like the mo- like people are like, oh, the ending's not a happy ending. But, like, in terms of catharsis, it feels like one to me, mm-hmm. even though technically it probably isn't. You know, because she's just part of this cult now, which isn't, you know, isn't probably great. You know, to be part of a cult that kills people <laughs> when they turn 75 or whatever.
0: Probably not, yeah.
1: But like I don't know, from them there's like a point in that movie where it switches and it to me it like almost feels like a fairy tale. Really? What do you mean by that? Like uh what from the point she like wins the uh the May Queen thing. It like it like she like like the music swells, she gets swept up, it like feels like this, like, it feels like the fairy tale moment where, like, everything that she's needed to happen for her to, like, move on with her life and feel happy is happening.
0: Yeah. Cause it's definitely, I was watching a bunch of stuff and it definitely, I, dude, this is how, this is also too why I like talking to you. Cause, like, I don't, I don't always pick up on, I, especially when it comes to like horror movies, cause I know a lot of horror movies and shit have obviously like there's like, uh, uh, well not obviously, but there's like social commentaries in there and stuff. And there's other meetings. And like, I, I go, I go into a lot of those and I get like the base level interpretation of it. And so when you see all the the correlations that they have to, uh, relationships and her and, and sort of the, explaining her relationship and how she was going through it and dealing with it and stuff. It definitely, yeah. Like the way they do it, there's like definitely multiple layers of that movie where on the surface layer, it's this like just crazy experience. Just if you just take the whole movie literally and just look at it on surface layer, it's a crazy experience. But if you look at it compared to telling the story of like a relationship and moving on, it, it makes a lot of sense. And that's why I think people who look at, like, midsummer and they go, like, mm, it's not a happy ending. It's like, yeah, but it told a story from start to finish. And and, and it, it told a story from start to finish, and I think there's, like, some satisfaction in that. Where do you, were you going to say something?
1: No, because I, I remember, like, when the first came out, I saw a review of it from, like, a popular YouTube reviewer. And... They said, they, they, had a, they said that the opening sequence of the movie had nothing to do with the rest of the movie.
0: What was the like opening where, sequence where her parents where are? Her,
1: where her sister kills her parents and herself. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what the entire movie is
0: about. That sets the whole movie in motion, too. Yeah. It's not like, it's not that, like, just, it's not like that just happens and then she's like, all right, let's go on vacation.
1: Yeah like i saw someone like the that was like their big criticism They're like it could it didn't need to be in the movie and i'm like then you didn't understand the movie
0: <laughs> um you saw you saw hereditary right yeah he's like your favorite dude of course you saw it you did you like that movie yeah that
1: is one i've only seen it once okay it, it fuck it was that movie like fucked me up for like a week after i saw it
0: which part fucked you up the most
1: um I would just, like, think I heard that girl's creepy clicking noise.
0: Oh, really? When I was alone. Yeah. Oh.
1: And I was just, like, real jumpy. Like, you know, didn't trust the dark corners of my room at night, you know. Bro,
0: do you get that? Do you get that with, like – because I came home last night, and I was just, like – I didn't go to bed right away, and I was just kind of, like, alone. And there was, like, two or three – well, so, like, in my – I'm in my – my setup sort of like in my dining room ish area and there's like a clear line to the bathroom to my left and there's a mirror in there and when the light when it's like the lights are out and stuff and you walk by it it like fucks with your head and you think you see more shit than you actually see and then i swear to god last night i saw like a light flash dude being like being i hate being alone like being alone at night is like my least favorite thing ever (laughs) It's so, I am so susceptible to, a, like, a, like thinking a cliched, scary movie thing is happening. I hate it.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, I get, like, that, too. I get real jumpy about, like, well, like, I'm like, oh, there's just, like, I hear creaks. I'm like, oh, there's ghosts. I guess we have to deal with this.
0: Bro, you know which one fucked me up? And this, pro- did, you, did you like The Conjuring? Did you see that one?
1: I don't really watch any ghost horror movies.
0: Do they fuck you up yeah oh, okay I, remember, like I don't have
1: fun with them so i don't i don't bother most of the time
0: i remember me and my buddy went to go see the conjuring and like it fuck it fucked me it doesn't even have to be like a good movie I, I i remember liking that one but it doesn't even have to be a good movie but it like fucked me up and i knew like i was still living with my parents at the time and i knew my parents weren't gonna be home and i was gonna be alone so i was just like I was, like, really pressuring my buddy to be like, yo, you want to go to a diner or something? You want to, like, just be around each other for a while so I can calm down because I'm a bitch? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that one definitely. So, oh, wait, Hereditary. That's the one I want to ask you because now, when you watch Midsummer, did you sort of, like, after, like, one or two viewings or, like, When you watched it, how quickly were you to go, like, all right, now I'm going to watch the YouTube breakdown videos? Did you watch it a couple times before you did that?
1: So, like, I mean, for almost any movie I watch, I'll watch it, you know. I'll watch it. I'll think about it a little bit. And then I'll usually go to, like, now I'll usually go to, like, Letterboxd and read other people's reviews. Maybe I'll go to Reddit and see if, if it's newer and see if people are talking about it. Then I'll go, then I'll, then I'll do YouTube. If I really, sometimes I avoid those breakdown videos cause they're kind of people. I feel like people just do them for some movies. People are just doing it for the ad revenue. I feel like, you know, well, like, and they,
0: they probably, I don't watch a lot of them, but I bet you they do the same shit. Cause I, I would watch a lot of album reviews. You get these dudes who are posting like a full album review like hours after the album drops, and you're just like, dude, you're not you're not taking it in. I can't. Yeah, you're not giving like a real honest review of this because it's the album dropped and fucking two hours later you're posting an album review. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, and some of
1: them it's like the most. They'll you look at their channel and it's like. You know the most self-explanatory movie that's ever come out. Explained, it's like, you know, it's like a movie. They'll do it for movies that don't need explaining. Yeah. Like I, I saw there was a video. Someone, I saw a screenshot. Someone posted on Twitter, and it was, uh, Bo Burnham's Inside Explained. Oh, his special. The comedy special. It doesn't need to be explained. He
0: explains it. Like he does the jokes that explains it. That's hilarious. Yeah.
1: Like, who's, lo- who's like, watching the special is confused and then needs to go to YouTube for someone to talk, to explain it to them? Like, what?
0: Yeah, that's... No, that's where the whole fucking... That's where algorithms are really are really fucking with just content, where it's just, like, people... Because people figure out the algorithms, and then they figure out, like, oh, okay, these are the things I have to do to get views and then start making more money, and it just... And then it creates... This stand-up comedy special explained, and you're like, we didn't need yeah. that. No one, no yeah, one. Yeah, in case the ending that. was too complicated for you, <laughs> it's too fucking got got this heady ass Bo Burnham special. Um, so when you were watching Midsummer, did you kind of get like the 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 multiple meanings sort of like on your own viewing, or did you have to get it breaking down? Because this, did, I'm I'm just asking this because this is going to lead towards talking about Hereditary again.
1: Okay, yeah, Midsummer, I think yeah because it hit me on that emotional level the first time i saw it and i after that i think i was just when i was like watching stuff i was just looking for validation to be like okay i'm not a crazy person
0: gotcha yeah okay so you're like i thought all these things but i just need a couple people to fucking co-sign what i'm thinking
1: yeah because like if i'm if i like went online i'm like this is I'm the only person who felt this way about this movie and everyone else is like this movie, like scared the shit out of me. I was so scared. It made me feel awful. And I'm like, I'm just like thinking it's beautiful. Yeah. There's a problem
0: there. (laughs) Like, no, I get that completely. So the, okay. So the reason I brought that up was now to like ask about hereditary because I watched a couple of those like breakdown videos because I was listening to this one comic was talking about it. And he was saying like, he was saying like, yeah, it's like a lot of just gratuitous shit for the sake of it. And I was like, I think this dude's a little more in depth than that. So I was like looking up some stuff about it. And hereditary was one of those where I was like, they had this whole breakdown of like old Greek myths or something, or like Egyptian stories or something. I forget what it was specifically. And like, when they broke it down, I was like, okay, all that makes sense but how in the fuck were you expecting me to get there on my own? You know what I mean? Did you have a similar experience with Hereditary?
1: So I don't know anything, any of a thing about the Greek myths or whatever if that's in there. I don't know anything about that. I just, when I think of Hereditary, I think of it being a movie about just like mental illness running, like generational mental illness. Like, yeah, just like the you know, the stuff that is hereditary that gets passed down through a family, you know, and it's just like, you know, cool satanic cult horror movie.
0: Well, so that was the thing. There was um, like the day with the satanic cult or whatever. I guess that's what it was. Not like Greek, or, Greek myths or whatever, but like with the satanic cult at the end, I'm, I was watching these people break it down and they were like tying all that in with the actual story. And I guess what's going on in the movie lines up with like these old stories or something like that. So I don't know. I thought, like I said, it all makes sense, but it was like all this like obscure mythology and stuff like that. And you're like, bro, who's going to know any of that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Ari Aster did do a little bit of research into, you know, those kinds of cults to make the movie feel like more real but i don't think that's like you know i don't think his main point of making the movie is to like educate people about satanic cults
0: yeah he's just more using it as like a like a jumping off point or like using it as a to create a structure for the film yeah yeah
1: like uh there were, like after i there's after i watched hereditary i didn't fully pick up on it at the when i wa- like I as was the scene was happening, but after the fact, I realized like how smart the opening of that movie is because like,
0: what was the opening? If again? you
1: if you if you remember, there's the opening is of like the dollhouse, you know the that you know because the yeah. mom builds all the st- houses in, and it's like the dollhouse of their house, and it yeah. zooms in to the room, like the son's room or the daughter's room, and then it the then you the movie starts happening. You're actually in their room. Yeah. And I think that's that shot is like it kind of tells you like everything you need to know about the movie that like they're not in control of anything that's happening throughout the movie. Oh, okay. Because like they're <laughs> just they're inside of a, like because you're like they're like they're inside the dollhouse. Like there's a bigger you know forces outside of them that is you know puppeteering and moving them around
0: and that that kind of ties in with the whole hereditary thing where these things about you are just hereditary
1: yeah and it works on that level and it works that the cult is orchestrating everything that happens throughout the movie
0: oh that's true i forgot i haven't seen the movie in a while i forgot about that part you're right about that yeah um so okay so we're gonna wrap up in a sec tyler I love you. This has been amazing. What uh, what's some shit you're fucking with right now, movie wise?
1: Um, yeah. Let me look. I think I have it open. Let me see what I've been watching recently. Let's see, uh, I think the most recent, what I most recent thing I watched was uh, I watched this movie, Dinner in America. All right. What was that? So it's this. It got a lot of heat at Sundance, I guess. It's like this indie, like, punk rock rom, I guess sort of a rom-com okay. in a weird way. And I feel like a lot of stuff that, like, tries to be punk in movies comes off really corny.
0: Yeah, yeah, they do like the, um, what was it, in fucking, uh, um, what was the one where, um, well, now Elliot, Ellen Page at the time, where she got pregnant? Juno? Yeah Juno and they like have the whole thing with the other dude and he's just like he like seems like a square and it's like wait a minute you listen to the Smiths? It's like yeah. what? Like all, a lot of a lot of it comes off like that shit.
1: Yeah like this like it structurally it kind of is like your standard like Sundance indie you know rom-com but like it has like a the punk part of it feels authentic it is pretty like dark and like nihilistic with its humor okay it has like it does have like a heart in there that like I guess like a a sweet heart in there that shines through it by the end and uh, I thought it was a lot of fun and really good I don't know where you people can see it but I kind of, you know, I stole it off the internet, but.
0: A lot of those are real, uh, it's actually pretty sick. If you just, if you just Google like movie, where can I stream it or whatever, there's always like a fucking rundown of where you can fucking stream that shit. So just use, just use your good old pal Google. So that's, that's the thing you've been fucking with the most lately. Uh, I mean, well, that's the most
1: recent thing. Um, The new Guy Ritchie movie was a lot of fun. What was that? Wrath of Man.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Yeah, it's Guy Ritchie and uh, Jason uh, Statham back together again.
0: Guy Ritchie rules, um, what was it, Wrath of Man? Yeah. Uh, I can't spell wrath. Um, Definitely a W in there. Um, Guy Ritchie's funny because his style is like, he's got a very specific style, and it's easy to sort of make fun of because it's so specific. But it's like, but he does make dope movies, though. You got to admit that. Like just because yeah. he's easy, just because he's easy to parody, you, people may forget. Like no, no, no. But the the movies are sick.
1: Yeah, this one is it's fun because it's like it's Guy Ritchie's style, but it's him doing like a pretty like hard, dark like revenge movie. All right, and like it has a, it's all like it takes place in America, which is different for him, and it ha, it still has like a lot of that like macho tough guy shit talking like and it, i feel like that, that stuff works way better with a british gangster movie because some of like the shit talking lines are so absurdly over the top top in this movie that like they're just hilarious it's like
0: like what and not
1: there's a point where uh jason statham says to another guy like like, they're like, you know, like in a gunfight, and one guy's scared and they're trying to escape or something. And Jason Statham goes, How about you just focus on putting your asshole back in your asshole?
0: That wait, is that, is that literally the line? Yes, <laughs> that's that's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, there's a lot of like, it's so it's like insane. I'm like, like, some of the lines, I'm like. How did they even get through reading this? Like, like how did... It must have taken a hundred takes to perform that without laughing.
0: Oh, yeah. How the fuck did you record that? Well, yeah, he's just he's doing it over and over again, and just Jason Satham's like, that's really the line. That's really the line. Is he, is he British, or is, it, um, is he playing an American?
1: Um, I guess he's still British. He still has his accent.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I was just yeah. curious since you said it was in America, but if you but yeah, yeah, have- everyone
1: else is, everyone else is not British, and
0: yeah, I was gonna say if you yeah. didn't have Jason Statham, you gotta let him do his gritty fucking British accent.
1: Yeah, but some of the yeah, some of like the the, sh- the shit talking is so, I think it adds to the movie because the movie's fun on its own, but that it's like funny in a bad way,
0: but it doesn't ruin the movie. If you know yeah. what I mean. Well, that's like that's kind of like the. That's kind of like the vibe of a Guy Ritchie movie is like intense, serious action where but then like mixed up with some dark humor and some tongue in cheek shit. And I think that's like the peel, the appeal and likability of Guy Ritchie's movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, but hey, Tyler, this fucking ruled. Let's uh let's wrap it up there. Um, where can people find you online and all that um, shit? I'd say uh, Instagram, uh, Tyler
1: J. Langlois, L-A-N-G-L-O-I-S. That's where I mainly post.
0: Hell yeah. And I'll have the link for it in the description on uh, iTunes and YouTube and all that. So hell yeah, Tyler. Thank you so much for coming on. You're the man. I love you. Thank you. I love you too, Andy. Thank you so much. I, I was really important that you said that back to me. Thank you.